0: If I meet all my financial goals and climb my way up the corporate ladder, but don't have love, I am nothing.
1: If I have a great social and dating life, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I do years and years of coffee break and sign up for every growing U class, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I stand up for what I believe in and I don't have love, I'm nothing.
0: If I receive awards for athletic achievements but have not love, I am nothing.
1: Love is patient. Love is kind.
0: It does not envy.
1: It does not boast.
0: It is not proud.
1: It does not dishonor others.
0: It is not self-seeking.
1: It is not easily angered.
0: It keeps no record of wrongs.
1: Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes,
0: always perseveres. Love never fails.
1: It's always a joy when you get to introduce two friends so they get to know each other, and that's how I feel today um, in introducing my good friend and brother, Daryl Reed, to you, my Mountain Family. Uh, Daryl's here to preach with us today, and I couldn't be happier about that. daryl has been a pastor for over 20 years. He's served churches in uh, California and the Midwest but for the last eight years has been serving with the D.C. Regional Christian Church down in Forestville, Maryland. It's in Washington, D.C. area. Um, That's a great church. It's a strategic location, and they're doing a lot of very cool things. And we've had a special relationship with that church that we've nurtured over the last several years. They've been up here. We've been down there. We're learning from each other and nurturing that friendship. Uh, They partnered with us to lead the North American Christian Convention. Today's just another step. Um, in that special relationship. Uh, I remember when I first met Daryl, I called him up and said, seems like we need to know each other. And he said, I've been thinking the same thing. We met at ESPN Zone in downtown Baltimore and right away we hit it off and we've been just kindred spirits ever since. Um, I really appreciate um, his passion and his preaching. I love his leadership, his enthusiasm. Um, I love his love for the Lord and for his family and I really appreciate his humility. I think you're going to appreciate all those things about him very shortly when you get a chance to hear him. Uh, he's been married to his wife, Sharon for over 20 years. They've got three teenage boys uh, who, just like their daddy, love God and basketball. Um, the one thing I would warn you about is, for some reason, he likes the Green Bay Packers, which if you can overlook that moral flaw, I think you're going to like everything else about him. Let's just give a great big warm mountain welcome for Daryl Reed.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's a great church, and uh, you have a great pastor, even though he's a Vikings fan. he Ben is just struggling right now a little bit because of the Packers are always whooping up on the Vikings, so that's our little thing. But I, it's so good to be with you here at Mountain. You know, I've been here several times now, so... Now, I don't want to be introduced as a friend. I think I'm part of the family now. Uh, This is great to be part of the Mountain family. You know, what makes us family is we have the same father. And uh, if we have the same father, that makes us brothers and sisters. And it's just great to be able to to say we're family. We're family. Um, I love family. You know, you can... You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Um, you have to like me, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> you know, um, today we're going to talk about, we're going to continue the subject matter that Ethan Magnus so awesomely kicked off last week on, on what does love have to do with it. Today we're going to talk about the most excellent way, the most excellent way. And this is uh, uh, this series is coming from a great uh, Chapter in a, in a great book of the Bible. The book is called First Corinthians. It's written by the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul was an amazing ministry uh, leader who started a lot of different churches all around the Mediterranean rim, and um, he's also noted for writing 13 of the books uh, in the New Testament. One of those uh, books is First Corinthians, and arguably First Corinthians might be one of the most challenging of all of the books that he written, all the letters that he wrote to the churches. You know, Paul wrote this letter because there was a lot of problems in the Corinthian church. You can just tell by reading uh, the letter. It starts off just by uh, just addressing some critical issues that were on his heart. There were a lot of challenging things going on in the Christian community there in Corinth about 2,000 years ago. One, they had a lot of arguments within their family. They were fighting each other. And and, and they had a lot of disagreements. Right in chapter 1, you can can see the seeds of denominationalism as they were dividing over who was their favorite minister to follow. And some of the people actually started uh, identifying with the preacher and not even identifying with Christ. You see the beginnings of denominationalism right there in, in the Corinthian church. It got so bad in terms of their disagreements that they actually had lawsuits with each other. Can you imagine that? Christians going to the courts against other Christians, going outside of the church family to air their disputes and get them resolved. They had all kinds of sexual um, perversions and sexual sins that were prevalent there in that community. Paul's addressing also marriage and divorce issues there amongst the Corinthians. Doctrinal issues were a big thing. Uh, some, some Christians who had um, additional gifts of the Spirit were applying them in a the wrong and, and sometimes prideful or boastful way. Paul had to deal with that issue. They had, Paul actually had to deal with his personal rejection. Even though Paul helped start the church, people started to reject his influence on the church, his spiritual authority. And Paul had to just say, listen, I love you. I'm here to shepherd you. I'm here to pastor you. And all those things are written and talked about in this incredible uh, ch- uh, book of the Bible. And then there's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is it's really that awesome, awesome um, chapter. It talks about love, and of course we're going we're gonna to read it here in, in a minute. But this chapter, you'll find it on a poster. You'll find it on maybe parts of it on bumper stickers. It could, if you're not really aware of really how God works in our heart, you could think that this is the wimpy chapter of 1 Corinthians. This is the flowery one. The one that you want to read before you go to sleep at night. It makes you feel better inside. But I'm here to say that this probably, of all the chapters that Paul wrote, this is probably the most challenging one. So today we're going to uh, really just dig into this a little bit more, draw some inspiration out of it, and hopefully you can leave here with a deeper conviction to put in practice the things that we are going to read here in a moment. If lack of love is a problem, then Paul totally addresses it. We'll start off by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that I can move mountains but not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And then in verse 13, he wraps it up by saying, And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And that's, that's a pretty cool statement right there because... Love is greater than faith. Are you serious? Faith is amazing. Faith is what saves a believer. Faith saves us. Not only that, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith can, can, can move mountains. Even a small, mustard-sized faith can, can move mountains. And yet Paul is saying love is greater than that. Love is greater than hope. I don't know about you, but hope is, man, is such a valuable quality that we all need and you eventually will need when somebody is sick and you're praying for them or if you're diagnosed with something hope, hope if you're going through a struggle uh, sometimes all you have is hope but love is greater than hope love is amazing and that's what we're going to talk about is the most excellent way the most excellent way really for what? for almost everything is love you know, this is what I'm personally learning. Um, I've been following Jesus Christ for over 30 years now. Um, I love the Lord. Uh, Jesus is so good to me, and yet I'm still learning a lot. And the thing I'm learning right now is i got to love people deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, I do love people, but I need to love people more. You know, one of the, things one of the specific things I'm working on is my face. My face. Now, I'm not talking about having a makeover. You guys are obviously aware of that. I'm, I'm too good looking for that. <laughs> I'm talking about my expressions sometimes. Or at least this is what my wife tells me. Okay? Um, I remember just, uh, it might have been a year or so ago, we were having a conversation, a disagreement. Um, we were having a fight, okay? We were having a fight. <laughs> and, and, Right in the middle of it, she, she, she said, Daryl, uh, you always say, you know, I'm sorry, and, uh, you know, and I, for, you know, do you forgive me, and I love you, but I don't believe it. Look at your face. i like, really? I mean, just, she said, don't move, look at it. The mirror's right there, don't change your expression, look, and I, and I actually did it. I looked up in the mirror, and I was like, what, that's the way I look all the time? See, we communicate with, not just with our words, but we communicate non-verbally. And I, I, I'm I'm trying to grow, and I want to I want to get to the point where my insides are, is reflected in the outside. So I've specifically and intentionally have been trying to work on my face, my face. But not only that, but other people's face to look at them and to be able to communicate with them love. Love should permeate from My my mouth and, and my spirit and my soul. You know who is good at this? Jesus Christ. Jesus was absolutely awesome about communicating love to the fullest. One of my favorite scriptures is Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. The scriptures say when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. You know, love starts with a look. Do we see people the way Jesus sees them? Love, it all starts with a look. You know, Jesus saw people with compassion, not judgmentalism. Jesus saw people as harassed and helpless. You know, humans, we look at the outside of a person from a worldly perspective Jesus looks at people from a heavenly point of view we see clothes Jesus sees souls we see hair Jesus sees hearts we see how attractive someone is or how attractive they aren't Jesus sees how helpless and harassed people are we see with irritation jesus sees with compassion now because i'm working on this i say, okay i have a great opportunity to to put this in practice by taking the subway system in the washington area the metro and you know if you've ever taken a subway or the metro there's a whole uh, system of how you should interact with people one of the things that is unwritten you don't make eye contact with folks right and if you do catch somebody you kind of look look away and uh, and people are just giving you all kinds of nonverbal messages basically say, leave me alone get out of my way don't sit here okay and you don't feel loved usually when you take the metro so i was taking it, i said you know what I, i'm i'm not going to i'm i'm not going to do what i normally do just fall in the habit of doing what everybody else does i want to look at people and i want them to see my face i want to look at their face and i want i want them to see my face and my face is i want to communicate you exist. You, you, you are special. And I care about you. And it would be great to have a conversation with you. I want to send out nonverbal signals to let people know that I care. That I care. You know why? Because people are hurting. I don't know if you've noticed it. People are hurting. Maybe you've come in here today. Just, you're just so glad your friend and, or your family member or your neighbor invited you to come. Maybe, maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're discouraged and and, and you really are down. Maybe you haven't really felt love in a long time. Well, people are hurting. People are lost. We live in a dark world where there's so much discouragement, so much depression, and God is calling the followers of Jesus, the believers, those who say Jesus is Lord, he's my Savior, Jesus is counting on us to be sought, to be light to be that salve, to be the person that God uses to heal wounds. It's us. If it's not us, then who is it going to be? So what I was trying to do, and what I'm still trying to do, is purposely and intentionally bless people, perhaps with a smile. Maybe it's as small as that. Maybe the smile would lead into a conversation. and Maybe that conversation would lead into something different. But the win for me is to... See them differently. And for them to see me, that's the win. Not necessarily I'm going to baptize them in the next hour or two or we're going to build a church around this person. No, that's not the win. The win is me seeing them differently. And let Jesus' spirit work on my heart. So a couple of friends of mine, um, we were downtown having um, lunch, downtown D.C., having lunch. Uh, and eventually, we met this guy who we, we we just made eye contact with him. He was walking by us. He, he was dressed nicely, but his face looked a little discouraged. And he saw me and my buddy. We were laughing. We were, we were laughing, having a good time, making a lot, you know, a lot of jokes. And but but we blessed him as he was walking by. Just a small thing. How are you doing? With a smile as he was walking by. Well, he felt something because as. Maybe he was like about 20, you know, yards away from us. He said, I, I got to turn back around and come back and talk to you guys. And then he started opening up his heart. He says, you guys, listen, don't take me as being weird or anything. I'm right now going through a difficult time. Just, you know, he stopped us. He says, just just let me share my story. He says, just about just 10 minutes before I met you or saw you, man, I was talking to this lady, I've been trying to raise some money to, to help me with my legal bills. I recently became unemployed and, and I'm homeless. But, but I also had to deal with some legal issues. And I've been trying to raise some money. So I asked this lady with a daughter in front of her, can I have a dollar? And, and the daughter just said, yes, mommy, let's, let's help him out. Let's give him some money. And then a lady looked at her daughter and she looked at me meanly and said, no way. That's why I'm discouraged. He said, I got a, I got a big request. He said, what I need is, I'm trying to raise it, I need $35. If you guys can do anything to help me raise this money, I will be really encouraged. Well, one of my buddies, his name Carlos, uh, he immediately went into his pocket, not his wallet, he went into his pocket and put out a $20 bill, that's all he had. My other buddy, his name is Abu, he, he went into his pocket and he pulled out the money he had not his wallet, he just put out the cash. It was $15. It was exactly $35. It's like, okay, God is trying to tell us something. And, and, and they letter, later on they told me that they, they were going to immediately do that because I picked up the tab for lunch. And that was the money that they were going to use. But we took it as a sign that God wants us to stay on track with this whole point about blessing people. With a smile, with an action, just touching people. Now I, I hit my, I didn't have any money. Uh, those brothers they ate me out of my money. So I was I, I didn't have so but what I did have was my Bible. And I, I started thinking, it's like, okay, what can I do? I don't I don't wanna look I don't wanna be the only guy not helping this brother out. So I looked at my Bible, I said, Okay. Something told me inside, like, Daryl, Ask him, does he have a Bible? I said, do you have a Bible? He says, no. Then something said, Daryl, give him your Bible. Um, I had this little argument going back and forth with myself. Uh, One was, this is my favorite preaching Bible. This is that leather. It's that real soft leather, lambskin Bible. This is the expensive Bible that I have. (laughs) This is not the giveaway Bible. This is not one. Well, no, this is my personal. This is the Bible that I have underlined, written on, notes in the side. And yet the Spirit was telling me, Daryl, do love. Love. So I gave him my Bible. So here you go. But I said, give it, I want it back, though. I want it back. You got to give it back to me. So you promise to give it back? Yes. Okay, so call me. Here's my number. On Monday, let's have lunch I'll get you another Bible, then you give me my Bible back. <laughs> and he says, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, uh, but we were meeting some other guys, another person that we met. Uh, that day in particular, uh, he was a famous individual. His name was Michael Jackson. It was actually a guy named Michael Jackson. He was a principal. He's also a referee. And we had a great long talk with him, and he felt really encouraged and blessed after our conversation. So then we left. We took off to go back to our respective homes, but almost to a person, we all forgot the guy's name, who we gave the money to and who we gave the Bible to. And we didn't have any other way to get in contact with him other than he had our contact information. Well, yesterday I was down in D.C. again by McPherson Square where there's a lot of homeless people and um, some people from our church. Uh, decided to uh, have—we said, uh, this Saturday, we're going to feed the homeless, and we're going to feed the less fortunate. So we were feeding about 300 people right there from our car. We, We were just blessing everybody that came through. They were getting a blessing all the way down the food line. I'm not talking about just passing out sandwiches. We had barbecue chicken. We had potato salad. We had the fixings on it, and they were just being blessed. And then I saw the guy who I gave my Bible to. He says, Daryl. I said, okay, uh, what's your name again? He says, Jerome. I says, man, you got, you got my Bible? He said, yes. And um, <laughs> he said, I'm calling you on Monday. I'm calling you on Monday. So if you can pray for Jerome in our time on Monday. Don't pray that I just get my Bible back. I just want him to feel blessed by God. I want him to feel loved. You know, sometimes they say, Daryl, that's a miraculous thing. That's a big thing. But you know what? It starts off with a small thing. Sometimes we're challenged to do great things for God, but I don't think we should be trying to focus on the great things. It's just the small things. A smile. A blessing. A hug. A conversation. See, a smile, a blessing, some love, a conversation can lead to life change. Love. It's the most excellent way. Now here's the thing. Some of us We actually think that we love enough. And this is probably the challenge that we have. Somebody is telling us in the supernatural realm, you know, the supernatural being that probably comes from below and not above, that you don't have to really work on this. You already are good at it. But you know, the challenge to love is a challenge that you should always accept. You should never get defensive. If somebody says to you, you need to love more, sister. You can't get mad and go, no, I, no, I don't love enough. Or don't you see how much I do? Or, or vice versa, a, a guy. You, you can't challenge a man enough to say, you need to love some more, brother. You should always say, you're right. You're right. Because you would never get to the point of spiritual maturity where you don't need to love more. We would never arrive at that place where you would be exempt from this challenge of loving more. Loving more. There's a couple of different scriptures that I want to share with you to to close on out. See, Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthian church. It was obvious they had a lot of problems. So you say, well, obviously that's why he wrote chapter 13, because they had a lot of problems in the Corinthian church. But Paul also wrote churches that were known for love, like Mountain. Mountain is known for being a loving group. You have loving leaders. When you walk in here, you feel accepted. You feel encouraged. Every, the smallest things communicate a hug and love. I love this. And this is why this church is growing so fast. This is, this is why people uh, come and then they keep on coming because there's a lot of love. Even though it's big, there's a lot of love here. Well, it's the same thing with the Thessalonica church. The Christians, the early believers in a city called Thessalonica, Paul wrote a letter to it. In his first letter, he wrote two things I think that will be very applicable for us here this morning. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, in verse 11, he writes, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. Just as ours does for you. Here's Paul. Once again, he's saying, may God, this is his prayer for a church that already loved. He wrote this to people who already were known for love. And he says, may your love increase and overflow. He says, for two different categories, for each other, for people in the body of Christ, and for everybody else. Increase overflow those are the key words and then he says the same thing in first Thessalonians chapter 4 in verse 9 he says now about brotherly love we don't need to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other and in fact you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia but then he says yet we urge you brothers to do so more and more he didn't say well you know you guys if you love and that's great you're exempt from this challenge he says increase overflow more and more i think that's the challenge for us is that more and more part more and more whether it's in the family whether it's in your community, whether it's in this church community, whether it's in the world, it's the more and more challenge. You know, a year or so ago, there was this commercial that was often being played on television. It was, it was really a, a great uh, television commercial. It was an AT&T commercial. And there was, was this host who gathered around him, about, I think some four-year-olds. And if you've seen this commercial, it's, it's pretty funny and it's pretty great. Um... So he basically has, maybe in a classroom setting, these little children are around him, and he asked them all kinds of mature questions, and it's kind of cool to hear their responses. So the question that he asked maybe this uh, half a dozen four year olds was this Who thinks more is better than less? Have you seen this commercial? And then he says, uh, Then this was so awesome. This cute girl, I mean, just adorable, precious, absolutely this beautiful girl quickly raises her hand to answer the question. I mean, she, she, she answers it cute, in a cute way, but in a rambling, incoherent way as well, okay? I actually wrote down her answer and I thought I'd read it to you here this morning. And she says, More is better than less. Because if stuff is not less, huh? Because if there is more, or less stuff. Because you might want to have some more. And your parents just won't let you. Because there is only a little. And then he says, right, right, right. But then she interrupts him again. She says, wait a minute, wait a minute. We want more. We want more. Like, if you really like it, we want more. We want more. And then the host says, okay, I follow you, I follow you. The narrator ends the commercial by saying, it's not complicated. More is better. More is better. I think we live in a world that is saying, we want more, we want more love. I think as God looks at us, he challenges us. He encourages us by saying, I want more, I want more. The world wants more. God wants more. Big question is, are we willing and ready to love more personally? Now, as we look at that wimpy chapter 13 again, we're from the perspective of more, I think we should all feel convicted and yet inspired and directed at the same time. Paul says, be more patient. Be more kind. Be more content with what you have. Be more happier for others and less competitive, less jealous, less envious, less boastful, but be more humble, less rude. Focus on the other's needs more. Be quicker and forgive more thoroughly. Rejoice in righteousness more. Be more protective of people's hearts. Be more hopeful. Trust in God more believe in people more persevere more or like the lady like the girl says we want more we want more you know i think one of the greatest challenges that we can have is to let god use us more I'm going to leave you with a challenge, a specific challenge. It's a prayer challenge, okay? It's a prayer challenge. And I just pray this prayer one it, it, just one time this week, whether it's over a meal or perhaps before you go to bed. Just one time this week, I'm going to challenge you to pray this prayer. It's a simple prayer. It says, "Lord, help me grow in my love and compassion for others." Simple prayer. "Lord, help me grow" and by love and compassion. This shouldn't be a difficult request because this is what it means to be a Jesus follower, a Christ follower. And yet when we open ourselves up and we ask God to work through his spirit in our heart to change us, to help us grow in our love and compassion for others, even if you doubt that God answers prayer, I'm here to tell you he's going to answer this prayer right away. You know how he does it? He sends somebody crazy right in your path. Immediately. I mean, immediately. As soon as those, your, your lips form the words and those words go out, then there's a phone call, is a knock on the door, is a neighbor, there's a coworker, it's, maybe it's your spouse it's, he's, who's snoring right next to you because you're play, praying in the middle of the night. You're going to have an opportunity to answer this prayer. And that's how God exercises. That's how he works with and changes us. We could respond. Well, how should we respond? How should we respond to people that don't like us? Is with more love? How should we respond to cranky bosses or cranky coworkers? More love? What about that person who's who's in a rush and they're trying to knock you down, or who, who's riding your bumper in the freeway and who cuts you off? As they drive by, should you give them a mean mug? This is what my boys say. Should you look at them and, and make a frown? and, and fa- No, love, bless them. How you doing? Great. It's great that you're riding on my, my bumper. God bless you. <laughs> or what about that person? I mean, you ever have, have this happen to you? You're on a tram and at, at the airport. There's one of those moving walkways. And and, and if those moving walk, one, one says walk, one says stand. And, and you, when you're in a rush, there's... There's two people in front of you just standing. What do you do? Love. Love. When people mess up your order, do you say, no, I demand love. Love. What about wives as you deal with your husbands and they never get around to doing that honey-do list? What, what should you Love. Love. What about husbands? You got that nagging wife who's always asking, love, love. Love her as well. Love. Love is the most excellent way. It's the most excellent way to treat people. Even of different religious backgrounds, how should we handle those over there? Love. What should we do? They, don't, they aren't even believers. Love. Wait a minute. They're so far from God. And Love. What about that self-righteous person that thinks he knows God personally, that he's met him in heaven? Love. Now, What about that MSNBC, John Stewart watching, tree-hugging, liberal, Democrat, Obama voting, love, love. And just so you know, hey, what about that, that Fox News watching, Rush Limbaugh listening, just Tea Party voting, super conservative, love, love, love. You know, people of different cultures, love. People with different color of skin, love. Love is the most excellent way to handle people, to treat people. Love. But can you take my challenge? Are you willing to take the challenge, to ask God to help me grow in my love and compassion? What if we did this? What if we all asked God? What would he do? Can you imagine what our community would be like? What if churches across America did this? Instead of picketing, what if we prayed? What would this world be like? What would you be like? What would your family be like if we took this to heart to truly love? Mountain, I love you, and may God bless you. Let me close with a prayer. Father, thank you so much for this challenge that Paul gave the Corinthian church to love. Now, we know we can't do this in the flesh. We're going to need your help. We pray that your spirit guides us and leads us so that we can be more like Jesus Christ. In this your name we pray. Amen. Mountain, I love you, and to God be the glory. Thank you.